With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Omar Ruiz from the NFL Network. He does a great job, and he's always so jovial. Every time I've seen this man at the VMAC, in the media room, he always seems so happy to see me, and I know he doesn't really know who the hell he, I am, <laughs> but I appreciate it, Omer, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're with us today. Are you as happy as you appear to be? Uh, well, give and take, but, um, but hey, the way I look at it is I think we all got – I got three little kids. I have a wife who, uh, you know, recently beat cancer the last couple of years. So when I get to talk about football, when I go to work and talk about this great game that we all love, it is joyful, it is happiness, and that's the sort of perspective I bring. And all the drama that I got at home, it's my little escapism, you know, to do this uh, and talk about football. So that's why I'm always happy to see you, Jim, in that VMAC little room and Jessamine and, and everybody else there up there in the Pacific Northwest. Well, great perspective. We're happy to hear about your wife and, and your family, and uh, you do such a terrific job. And, and when you come to Seattle, is it one of your favorite places to come for training camps? Oh, yeah. It, well, it's my, my favorite, you know, just I would say bar none, um, just especially in the summertime. And I, I think it's beautiful everywhere, and I, I think you, you two would agree. Uh, it's a spectacularly beautiful place year-round, but especially in the summertime because, you know, when, when the weather is good up there, there's not a more pretty place uh, in the NFL, you know, circle. Then, and then especially specifically the VMAC location right there on the water. And, um, you know, when that sunshine is glistening off the lake and the pads are bumping uh, out on the field, you know, there is no better place than a summertime uh, in Seattle. Yeah, we're gearing up for the start of training camp. We'll be out there tomorrow, and I know that you've spent a, you know time here, obviously, with your perfect description of summer here out here. Um, but I'm wondering if we could go 30,000 feet from a national perspective because you cover everything under the sun when it comes to the NFL. What What is your take on the Seahawks and their ability to make another postseason, sun, uh, postseason run and also, you know, where it compares to where they were last year. Well, I'm excited, number one, for the Seahawks. Uh, I, I think, I've been saying this the all offseason, I think they could be a dark horse, you know, NFC contender, not just NFC West, mm. but, but the entire conference. And, and I think from a national perspective, the question that's been asked of the Seahawks, specifically about Geno Smith, is how can he sustain that high-level play that seemingly came out of nowhere. And I, I think from a little closer viewpoint, I think that's the wrong question to ask. I think, and I think people probably inside the building are asking a different question, and that's how can Geno Smith be even better? And so, so when you factor in that he's not going to have a quarterback battle throughout the offseason like he did last year, he has continuity already with D, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and the rest of the crew, then they're adding to his arsenal with Jackson Smith and Jigba and the offensive line is mature now and only going to be better, not to mention a better defense, which obviously helps the offense and all the complimentary football that Pete Carroll likes to have. I think these Seahawks can be so much better, not only contend with the 49ers in the NFC West, 
to contend with the Eagles and the rest of that crew in the entire NFC. Yeah, you know, Omar, it's funny with uh, Geno Smith because there are doubters feeling like it's a one-off what he did last year, and yet isn't there more reason to think that he's going to be just as good, if not better? I mean, you mentioned he ha- he has another weapon, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's got Zach Charbonnet. He appears to have a better offensive line. And and like you said, it's his job. He's not competing with Drew Locke anymore. So I, I think there's more reason to believe that this is going to be another great year for, for Geno rather than, oh, yeah, there's the backup Geno that we've known for so long. Yeah, and, and I think to, to that point, I think that the characteristics that made Geno successful, I think, you know, the ability to take care of the football while also making big throws downfield, the accuracy, the precision, um, the touch that he throws on the football, those aren't things that just go away. Um, you know, if, if he was just, you know, kind of power throwing the ball and, and kind of gunslinging uh, the football, you know, sometimes maybe the power might go away. I don't think it would after one year, but, but those are kind of characteristics that can leave from one year to the, to the next, especially a veteran quarterback like that. But obviously he doesn't have the miles on his arm like a typical veteran would. And then the things that made him successful, those are, those are sustainable attributes that he has. And not only sustainable, but I think you given the reason with the stronger backfield, the stronger O-line, and like I mentioned, the defense, only reasons to believe that Gino can be better uh, here in year two as a full-fledged starter and, and familiarity with the system. And, and, and that's, uh, I guess, another thing, too, is that familiarity, Shane Waldron going into year three now uh, up there. Um, you know, the, the entire offense, you know, they, they know it. Um, they, they've run it. They've had success with it. They believe in it. And all that, you know, reason to believe that, you know, the Seahawks, you know, no question, um, n- not only, you know, get back to the playoffs, but, you know, make some noise this year. How much do you think that the addition of Jackson Smith and Jigbo could change this? I think we're already anointing him the third wide receiver behind DK and Tyler Lockett. But, you know, how much does he really improve that? And what are reasonable expectations for him in his just his rookie year? Well, I would say that reasonable expectations are just to at least at least be a diversion as a third option in that offense. And so if that allows for Tyler and DK to thrive even more and post thousand yard receiving seasons, you know, then then that's great. If he contributes big time numbers himself, then then that's great too. I think that's a bonus. But to be uh, you know a bona fide wide receiver that defenses have to respect and allow perhaps more one on one opportunities for the big dogs. Um, you know, I think that's a reasonable expectation. Um, but, but I think, yeah, he is, you know, talking to people in the scout, scouting circles, pre-draft and all that. I mean, you, you guys probably heard the same thing that, you know, had he not been banged up a little bit, um, you know, he would have been an even higher draft pick. And his talent is so obvious and apparent when you watch that 2021 tape um, at Ohio State that, you know, his talent is without question is, you know, just can he replicate some of that same stuff in the NFL. And at this point, you know, obviously it's still early. At this point, there's no reason to believe why he can't uh, until proven otherwise. But then, but then again, he's going into a situation that's beneficial for him too, in that he's not coming in where a first-round pick that's looking to be the number one receiver or even the number two receiver. He can just kind of find his role, grow within the team, grow within the offense, and that takes a little pressure off him to perform immediately, and perhaps that leads to better success down the road. 
Omar, what about the Seahawks defense? Uh, you know, a lot of people are still on board with Jamal Adams, uh, thinking it was worth uh, giving him eighteen million a year. I'm I'm not really on board with that. I'm I'm hoping he comes back fully healthy and and makes a difference this year. But uh, what are your what's your expectation level for Adams? Well, for Adams, like, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, yeah, it seems like a mistake um, to pay him that much. Um, but if you can get another solid year and get a deep playoff run with him as one of the catalysts of that defense, then I think it becomes worth it at that point. You know, kind of, uh, you know, some of the parts, you know, proving, um, you know, that, that it is a team game. And I think having Bobby Wagner back in, and I think, you know, there might have been a, a void in, in defensive you know, meeting rooms last year in terms of leadership. And I think Bobby brings that back. Um, and, and Jamal could just focus on being a, a good safety, a great safety, a playmaking safety, and kind of raise his game again. Um, the fact that he has those two stud corners now, and that's assuming Devin Witherspoon will, will be a stud and, and to go alongside Woolen there and who can try to repeat in year two and grow and, and you know, takes a little pressure off. And I think Quandre Digg now established himself as one of the more elite safeties in the game with his consistency that, you know, I always see on Twitter that he doesn't get respect, but I think throughout the league he does. Maybe not, you know, his public profile is not as large as, as other big-time playmaking safeties out there, but I think the respect amongst his peers uh, is very clear. So all that said, there's not as much pressure on Jamal Adams at $18 million as there once was probably when he signed it, and that should allow him to play free and, and hopefully, if he can be healthy, play like he once was. What is the, uh, obviously the Seahawks, we had this uh, news earlier today, the Seahawks signing linebacker Uchenna Nuoso to a three-year extension worth up to five, uh, $59 million. Um, what does that tell you about their defensive strategy heading into this year? Well, I think that they believe in, in some of their young players. And Uchenna Nuoso, you know, not necessarily young at this point anymore, but you know, this is a self-made guy, you know, former Charger, and, and made some noise uh down here in LA where, you know, he kind of came on the scene and, and probably outplayed, you know, where he was drafted and, and the Seahawks saw something in him and he delivered. And then, you know, obviously they've been, they drafted a few guys, you know, when KJ and Bobby were still there who still looking to make names for themselves. But I think Lieutenant Nuosa kind of comes in now, takes the torch from Bobby and, you know, gets a year to at least a year to, you know, play with Bobby. And, and I think that just goes to show you that they kind of believe in what, they're building there, and I don't think they're there yet. They're probably a year or two away from having that defense where Pete wants it. But Uchenna Nuoso and Chenna Nuosu, you know, certainly a building block there for how they want to play that quick, aggressive nature, um, multifaceted playmaker on defense, and I think he certainly fits that bill. Omar Ruiz covers the NFL for the NFL Network. He's with us right now. Jim Moore with Jessamine McIntyre. What, what about all this talk about running back salaries? They're underpaid. I mean, these guys all got together on a Zoom call, and it doesn't sound like the results were were very good uh, based on Saquon Barkley's contract. Uh, what, he got an extra million. I guess it's good for him for that. He was going to play under the franchise tag of $10 million. He signed with the Giants today. One year, $11 million should... Uh, yeah, I find it odd too. I mean, these guys, especially here in Seattle, it's so important the running game, but but they do seem underpaid to me. Yeah, no question, they're underpaid. But I think it's a a situation where I don't know what the solution is because uh, the way that I mean, don't know what the solution is in the short term. Of course, in the long term, they can change the rookie salary scale and all that, but that would have to be collectively bargained 
in seven or eight years or whatever the next um, you know negotiation is. But in the short term, I don't know what the, the solution is. And and you know, I saw you know I think it might have been Austin Eckler who made the point um, that theirs is the only position where they're not rewarded for their outstanding production. It's used against them that oh, now you have more tread off the tires because you were so valuable last year and you were utilized so much. Um, so I don't know how they get around that, especially when, you know, that rookie pay scale uh, is so favorable for teams right now. Even a guy like Bijan Robinson, who was drafted eighth overall, if he explodes onto the scene for the Falcons, you're going to have a steal of a player for five years, just like the Giants had for, for Saquon Barkley. Now, I think we're talking about a couple running backs in Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs who are in similar situations, franchise tag, didn't get the blockbuster deal that they were expecting. But those two also had a little bit of injury history in, those, in that rookie contract. And I think you look back at guys like Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey, the last round of guys that got huge deals, Alvin Kamara, the injuries weren't necessarily part of their resume when they were looking to get uh, paid. So I'm not so sure this is a thing that is um, a permanent you know, sign of the times for running backs or if it's specific to these two guys, but it sure is a whole, a heck of a lot more than coincidental that they're not getting paid right now. But, um, but I always view these things in cycle I, cycles. I remember just, you know, back in like 2013, 2014, when you had guys like um, Amir Abdullah and Giovanni Bernard were the first running backs taken in their respective drafts, I, I believe. And then, and people were saying, you can't draft a running back high. And, you know, there's no value in the position. And then here comes Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey and, and all those guys start getting drafted higher. So I think what we're seeing is cyclical and it relates to the injury history of those two running backs that, that have been at the, at the forefront of these headlines. But I think it remains to be seen if, if a guy like Bijan Robinson or Jonathan Taylor, if those guys, you know, then get overlooked after having healthy and productive seasons, then it will become a trend in my view. Omar, looking elsewhere in the league, a familiar face to those out here in Seattle, uh, Jimmy Graham signs with a familiar place to him for many years back in New Orleans, even though he hasn't played since 2021. What did you make of this signing? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought he was, uh, you know, his last, what, year or two in Seattle, it looked like, you know, might've been the end of the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think with the uh, Derek Carr addition to the saints and, you know, somebody who uh, would be looking to have a security blanket there, especially with the uncertainty of Michael Thomas coming back for new Orleans. I think that's a weapon, a familiar role for Jimmy Graham. I, I do think it's, it's weird. I mean, we've just seen, we've talked a lot with the running backs and, and how those guys, probably should not hold out because when you're out of the NFL game for an extended period of time, it kind of leads to poor production. It leads to, you know, injury frequency. And I think a guy coming back like Jimmy Graham, um, where speed and explosion is such a big part of his game, at least it was in his prime. I'm not sure, so sure how productive he can be. But um, at, at first, when I first heard of that, I thought, is this a ceremonial thing? You know, like the yeah. coming back to sign to retire, but to actually um, – you know, signed to, to produce, we'll see. But I think that's the, the Saints offense, obviously, since, since Sean Payton left, still looking for answers. Um, the quarterback by committee didn't do it. Jamison Winston 
uh, didn't do it, and they're hoping Derek Carr and some added weapons can do it. But I think, you know, there's probably a little heat on Dennis Allen there to kind of come up with something on the offensive standpoint. And going back to uh, the 2014 uh, Saints with uh, Jimmy Graham, you know, they're hoping they'll do that. Omar, I think uh, everyone in Seattle was excited about Russell Wilson floundering last year, mainly because you, the the pick they got turned into Devin Weather, Witherspoon there at number five overall. What about it this year, though? You think he's cooked, or you think he's going to be rejuvenated with Sean Payton there in Denver? Nah, yeah, I think he'll be better. Um, I think he'll be a lot better. I think he'll, he'll he'll return to form, and I don't know if he'll be you know one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL like he once was, but he'll be a good quarterback, and I, I just think. He, you know, what we saw over a 10-year span in Seattle is just too much um, of, a, uh, of a sample set to just cast away after, after one year. And, and I think, you know, as you guys know, you know, Russell likes things the way he likes them and tried to impress upon that a first-time head coach and Nathaniel Hackett, and it just didn't work. And so Sean Payton comes in, and there's no way his quarterback is going to boss him around and, and sort of going to, uh, you know, lay down the law there from an offensive standpoint, exactly what he wants from his quarterback. And I think the fact that Russell Wilson comes back in better shape, perhaps can get back, add that elusiveness back to his game. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, toward the end of his career in Seattle, you know, he wanted to be, you know, the, the big numbers, throw for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns and let Russ Cook and all that, you know, throw from the pocket. He wanted to be like Joe Montana and Tom Brady. And that's not necessarily his game. So to get back to that elusiveness, go from out of the pocket while playing within that Sean Payton offense, the timing and the structure ought to allow for Russell to flourish. Just worry about playing quarterback, not try to run the team, run the offense, but let Sean Payton do that. And I think Russell returns to success this season. A lot of eyes here in Seattle looking down at San Francisco as they seem to be the true competition in the NFC West. Uh, Brock Purdy avoids the pop list. Nick Bosa sitting out. Um, Do you think that Purdy will be, ready to go, even though he's not on the pup. Um, will he be ready to go to start the season? And how long do you see the Nick Bosa holdout uh, ending up? Yeah, I, I don't think Nick Bosa will be out too long. I think the 49ers, gosh, the 49ers just, you know, just embarrassment of riches right now because they have Trey Lance and Brock Purdy and, and Sam Darnold, you know, of course, uh, you know, minimal salary for, for what you would expect from a quarterback of his uh, stature right now. But because they have all that, they can – They'll, they'll get Nick Bosa paid, and they'll have all uh, a bunch of big contracts. You saw them sign Hargrave in the offseason, taking him from Philadelphia, and, and Bosa will get the blockbuster. So because they have those rookie quarterback contracts, they're allowed to, to do that. So I think it's only a matter of time before Nick Bosa comes back. And with Purdy coming off the pup or not going to the pup list, being fully cleared before camp, I think that's a good sign that he starts week one. And, and I read, uh, you know, he'll he'll go for two days and take a day off, and that should last for a couple weeks. But he seems to be on schedule. I think back when they first scheduled this in, in February, um, the hope was he'd be ready for training camp. It looks like he is ready for training camp. And then with, you know, seven or so weeks away from that first game, week one, uh, I think Purdy will be ready, and it'll be uh, his job to lose. Omar, thanks for your time today. Really appreciate it. All right, anytime. Good to talk to you guys. Hope to see you Appreciate soon. Appreciate it. Thank you, Omar. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.